0: Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Community, you guys have been awesome. You can follow me at RealDoc74 on Twitter. You can email me your comments, criticisms, pat on the backs, questions at RealDoc74 at gmail.com. Want you guys to go on over to the Facebook community page, House Call with Doctor Mac, the community. Like it, share it on your page, on your walls. Uh, tell your friends about it. Put your comments on the on the pages there, and ask me your questions. Ask me what health dot you would like for us to explore, so that you can connect your health dots. Today's episode is. One that I know my sister friends are going to eat up alive. Because this is about us. When I say us, I'm talking about the whole female women are from Venus mantra. (laughs) It's what makes us females. So those of you that may have some small children that you're used to listening to the podcast um, as you are at home with your kids, I want you to take your own discretion because we are going to be talking about the female cycle today. We're going to introduce you to a sharp sister, Donna Plummer. I have admired Donna from a distance watching her drop her her child off at school because our children go to the same school. And every time I saw her, she was just sharp. You know, one of those sisters you see from a distance and you're like, that's just a sharp sister. You guys, you know, develop a mutual admiration for each other in terms of just speaking to each other every time you see each other, nodding, just, how you doing, girl? Good. How you, ho- Russian? Oh, yeah, gotta go. But it was this one how you doing, that sparked this conversation. Donna let me know how she has become a case study for endometriosis. Now for those of you that are not familiar with the term endometriosis, let me lay a little bit of groundwork for you. When a woman has a cycle, There is a layer in the endometrium, the endometrial lining, that grows every month and sheds every month. Like I used to tell all my patients, all our body wants to do every month is get pregnant. That's all we want to do. And so there's a set of hormones that comes and makes the grass grow nice and tall and fluffy. And there's a set of hormones that comes and mows the lawn. That's the simplest explanation that you could come up with and the simplest metaphor that you can kind of put in your head. Depending on how high the grass grows will be how heavy the flow. Now there are certain cells in the endometrial lining of the uterus that should only be in that area in the endometrial lining. When those cells are found in what we call ectopic sites, which means sites that are not the endometrial lining... They can cause significant pain, as well as other sequelae, as you'll find out. What that means is that these cells can be found in the muscle layer of the uterus. They can be found on the ovaries. They can be found on the intestines even. They can be found anywhere in the abdominal cavity. And because these cells are used to responding to those hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone, all these hormones that are interplaying to help you have a cycle, they respond. They respond to those hormones and thus they can cause pain. Now for practitioners, endometriosis really is one of those stump, stump the teacher type of pathology. And it it's one of those stump the teacher, stump the clinician or pathology because of the pain component. It's very subjective for each individual. And what we have come to know is that the subjective pain and the objective findings that we find when we go in and do what are called exploratory laparoscopies, where we can go in with a camera and look around the abdominal cavity or go into the uterus and look around, don't necessarily coincide with each other. In terms of pain management, the ultimate cure the only way we know how to really take care of endometriosis as practitioners is a hysterectomy. And for those that are outside of the medical community, a lot of you will say either partial hysterectomy or total hysterectomy. When we as practitioners talk about hysterectomies, let me give you a tip here. A hysterectomy just deals with the uterus. When we say total what we probably have said to you is that we're going to also perform an oophorectomy, which means take out your ovaries. So there's the hysterectomy part for your uterus, and then there's the oophorectomy part for your ovaries. And we also take out your fallopian tubes, which is a salpingo-oophorectomy. I know, big words here, huh? So for endometriosis, the ultimate cure, quote-unquote, is a hysterectomy and a bilateral salpinga oophorectomy. Medical-wise, when we say medical-wise, medicines, painkillers, sometimes for some people, they just don't get them to a level where they're able to function. So now that we've gone to school for a little bit, I want you to sit back. I want you to just open your heart and your minds. I want you to allow us to help you start connecting some more health dots. So let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's have some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Today I am privileged to sit here with Miss Donna Plummer, and I was so intrigued by Donna's story. I told her we have to sit down and talk, that I really would, I really know that there would be a benefit to the, uh, to the community for her to consent to tell her story and she so graciously did so Donna welcome to the show today thank you we met um, our children go to the same school correct (laughs) they're in different grades and it's so interesting we we saw each other at the back to school night this year this school year we were you know we were getting in line to have some refreshments and I said to you how was your summer?
1: Yes, you did.
0: <laughs> and you said, "Well, it's getting better, or yes. it's, it's not as bad as it was." Yes, And of course, that that I heard that, and it kind of, well, what does that mean, you know? And not not a being nosy, but I have seen you, and from a distance, I've always said, "Oh my goodness, that's a sharp, that's a sharp sister." <laughs> and we've been cordial throughout Very, the yeah. year, years that we've seen each other. Yes. And so I followed up to say, well, what did that mean? And you proceeded to let me into your your world. Yes. And you opened the door to your story. Yes, I did. And I want you to be so gracious and open your story again to our community. So can you start us off and tell us what happened this summer and then take us back as you did with me?
1: the beginning of your story Uh, well this summer on June in uh, in June I had uh, a second surgery on my right lung Um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis in my right lung and I had had surgery four years ago and was still having uh, some issues Um, and I was informed that I Still had some cleaning up to do.
0: Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: Endometriosis, and you
0: said lung. Yes, endometriosis
1: in the right lung.
0: (laughs) If my anatomy serves me correctly, the recall, endometriosis deals with
1: the uterus and the
0: pelvis of women.
1: Yes, I was told that uh, it is very rare, and I happen to be one of those rare people uh, that it... Normally stays within your reproductive system. Yes. And there are cases where it goes to other, it can go, it basically, I was told, it can go wherever it wants to. Mm -hmm. It normally stays in your reproductive system. Okay. But in my case, it went to my right lung.
0: So can you take us back now? You said this is the second surgery. Yes. Over four years. Yes. Can you take us to
1: the beginning of this four years? Uh, Sure. I think I might need to go a little before sure. this four-year period. Uh, I had my daughter in 2003, and about three years, not about, three years after she was born, uh, the right side of my belly button never went back in. And every time I'd have my cycle uh, it would be very uncomfortable hmm. and I couldn't wear anything form fit in around my area, nothing tight and I showed it to my primary care physician and he thought I had maybe a hernia so he referred mm-hmm. me to a surgeon who also looked at it and said yeah it seems as if it's a hernia and we would need to operate and have this taken care of. Sounds so, standard. Uh, in 2006, I had what I thought was supposed to be surgery on my belly button to repair a hernia. Uh, after the surgery, I was informed by the surgeon that it was endometriosis. I was then given a letter to take to my OBGYN, and um, he he talked to, to me a little about it. Um, he re- uh suggested some medical uh treatment uh which was I believe Deborah Pivera. Mm. Uh we discussed the side effects and based mm-hmm. off the side effects I was reluctant yes uh, to do anything. I can, and so, I can imagine um he then uh, suggested um he gave me a prescription of 800 milligram Motrin okay. uh, to help each month with my cycle because I did not want to do the Depo-Provera okay. and so um, I would do that every month whenever I had my cycle now I have to say ever since I've had a cycle it has always been very heavy and I just assumed everyone had heavy cycles mm. it is only now since I've had all these surgery I even discuss my personal life wow. I, just, I just never talk to my mom or anyone about mm. it because I'm just very private about it mm. and so we'll jump forward uh to uh 2010 uh I'm sitting at home on a weekend my cycle started and of course it was painful as usual and I had a pain under my right armpit and I could not lift my right arm Hmm. And so, um, of course, I'm taking my 800 milligrams of Motrin. And I called out uh, that following Monday mm-hmm. and went to see my primary care physician. And he gave me a shot of a muscle relaxer, which allowed me to move my arm. And um, he thought maybe I was coming down with shingles. Mm. I have a very close coworker. Um, she's an older lady, and we work together. We're very close, and he knows that. And she had shingles, and she never said anything. Mm. <laughs> and so he just assumed maybe I had caught something. And so he checked the entire right side of my okay. body, okay. Um, and I did not have any rash. Uh, but he said, we're going to err on the side of caution, and I'm going so. to put you on some antibiotic and a steroid. Mm-hmm. He said, but since you don't have any rash, I need to see you in three days.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I left and started my medication, went back three days later, and he chucked my entire right side. I mean, my hairline all the way down to my toes. Whoa, very thorough. And there's no rash. And he said, well, doesn't seem as if it's shingles. I need to now wean you off of these steroids and see you two weeks after being weaned off for a full set of labs. And um, I left and I just kept telling my mom prior to going back for my two week follow-up that whenever I take a deep breath I feel a sharp pain in my right side. Hmm. And I just kept telling my mom, I said, you know, mother, When I go back, I'm going to ask him for a chest x-ray and jump ahead. Two week appointment came and I went in and we always sit and talk when I go to see him. And so he asked if I had any questions before doing my lab work. And I told him, I said, well, I think I'd like two referrals from you today. Hmm. You became (laughs) your own advocate. (laughs) What, what are they? And I said, i I'd like to see a cardiologist. I said, I feel like my heart's palpitating. And Mm. my mom works in the medical field, and she had been doing my vitals for this past two weeks because I had been complaining that my heart's palpitating. (laughs) And she said, no, it's not palpitating. It's beating fast, but it's not palpitating. And so I relayed that to him, and he said, well, I just did a physical on you, and an EKG in April, if you'd like, we could do another one today okay and I said well no I don't want to tie the office up I said how about a chest x-ray and he said well why would you want a chest x-ray I said well that pain that I've been feeling isn't totally gone Mm -hmm. when I take a deep breath I feel a sharp pain and uh, he said well you know how I feel about a healthy person having unnecessary radiation let's see when was the last time you had x-rays and because I was born in Jamaica I've been inoculated with the antibody for TB yes. and so I get a chest x-ray every five years. Right. And so he looked and it had been a while, he said no problem and he gave me my referral and I did my lab work and I left and I drove directly to the imaging center in White Oak. Okay. And um, of course I went in and because I'd been there before, they took me right away. All of my information was still up to date. Only one phone number had to be changed. And I went back and did my chest x-ray. And prior to leaving, or prior to getting dressed, the gentleman or the tech who had done the chest x-ray uh, told me not to leave, that uh, they would be giving me a disc to give to my okay. doctor. Okay. And because I'd never had one, In a long time, I thought, oh, wow, things have changed. Changed. They're progressive. (laughs) Yes. He said, just wait in the waiting area, and they'll bring me a disc shortly. And about maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes later, he brought me the disc. And then, you know, he said, don't leave. It hasn't been ready as yet. I thought, oh, wow. This is really new. They're telling you the results right on the spot.
0: So none of these... (laughs) Nothing is clicking that there may be something I need to start being on high alert. Not at the moment.
1: Okay. And so as I'm sitting and I'm waiting, it's now 30 minutes. It's 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And your mind starts to wander. It's about an hour now. And I said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And shortly thereafter, he called me up to the front desk. And there's a phone on the wall, and my eyes filled up with water when he called me up to the phone. And he said to pick, I needed to pick up the phone. And so I picked up the phone, I said, hello. And it's my doctor who I just left. Your primary my care physician. primary phys- care physician. And he said to me, you did a good thing for yourself today by asking for a chest x-ray, because you have quite a bit of fluid in your right lung. And we need to find out why. And I burst out bawling in front of mm-hmm. all these people in the waiting area. And he said to me, come on, come on, you're overreacting. Get it together. You're overreacting. I need to call someone, and I'm going to call you back. Which number would you like for me to call you on? Okay. And I said, call me on my mobile. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I hung up from him, and I just went out of there bawling. Yes. They The staff is trying to call me back to make sure I'm okay to drive. Well, bottom line, I told them I was fine. And I called my mom immediately in the parking lot, and I told her. I had fluid in my lung, and she, of course, tried to calm me. She said, don't worry. Come on home, and I will be there waiting for you. And so I got home, and... I'm a person who stress about my health. My favorite websites, as I told you before, whenever I need to diagnose my illness.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I go to the Mayo Clinic, okay, or okay. the Cleveland Clinic.
0: Okay, those are reputable sites.
1: Very reputable. I'm I'm okay with those. <laughs> and so I put in fluid in the lung and I started reading oh, all the no. what are all the different signs and symptoms and I basically Diagnosed myself with lung disease yes. because I've never smoked a day in my mm. life, and I thought I have lung disease based of all, on all the symptoms right. that I'm reading. But then I started thinking to myself, I remember Superman's wife, hmm. Dana Reeves, and she had died of lung cancer, and she had never smoked a day in her life. And so I'm just stressing, I'm stressing. And uh, shortly thereafter, my primary care doctor called and he gave me the name of a doctor. He said he has a three-month wait list, uh, but because we know each other, he is going to see you. And you need to call him as soon as I hang up from you. That's beautiful. And so we hung up from each other and I called. And sure enough, they were waiting. And because they know each other, the following morning at 9 a.m., I'm in his office seeing him and he turned out to be a former president of the American Lung Association. And so I go in with my entire entourage and I'm just bawling. I think I might have been carrying a box of Kleenex Mm. and uh, we're all sitting in his office and he has a double monitor. I handed him my disc and he put the disc in and my chest popped up on the screen and he looked at it and he says hmm and he turned to me and looked at me and he said you have quite a bit of fluid in your lung." and he just sat down and he said tell me your story i want to know your entire life history medical history everything i started talking about my cycle because that has only been the, the issue, one issue for me. Connecting. The one connecting issue. Mm. In 2000, and, well, when I was 21, I had my own uh, health insurance and I had selected a doctor who I'd been going to. And my first lab work, he said I had sickle cell trait. And I told my mom, and I was stressed about it because, of course, I'm worried about my health. Yes. I read about the life expectancy oh, on it. And I'm like, oh, god, <laughs> Oh, mercy. And so my mom was very upset about it, and she was quite adamant. She said, Donna, that is one of the tests they do when you're a baby. Yes. And you, I would have been told, you do not have that. And she kept pushing the issue, and I... I uh, went several years with this doctor and then I transferred to another doctor and I transferred my medical records and um he I brought it up to him and he he just basically looked at what I had brought and he said, "Well, it says here you have it, you have it." And so it it, it it showed I had always had issues with, with, with my cycle. And so just talking to him, I told him that I was severely anemic. In 2003, I was diagnosed being severely, severely anemic. And we talked about my cycle and my entire health history. And uh, after we finished talk, he wanted for me to go into... One of his rooms Mm -hmm. where I had to change and he listened to my lung and did a series of uh, exercises and breathing exercises and movements and we went back in his office and uh, he said, the first thing we have to do is we have to get this fluid out. And uh, because of who he is, Mm -hmm. I was able to have an appointment the next morning at the hospital for them to draw this fluid. Now, draw this fluid. (laughs) Yes.
0: I I want you to take your time if you can Uh and explain to our community this next step. Yes. (laughs) Because this is a little more than, oh let's go to the lab and give me your Mm -hmm. arm, we're going to take a blood sample.
1: So if you so, can take us through this mm-hmm. process we arrived at the uh, radiology department on time and uh, I was brought in um, shortly thereafter after changing into my gown mm-hmm. into a room where uh, there is a bed mm-hmm. um, and there's two cha- a chair mm-hmm. for me and I noticed the gentleman came in with these two-liter bottles, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, I don't have all that fluid in my lung. What is he doing with two bottles?
0: And a, a le- we're talking like those
1: big soda can bottles. Big, except these are glass. Glass. Of, you know, That's for the right. medical, these right. are glass. And um, I have to say that I also had a few doctors who popped in to look at me And I had no idea why they were looking at me. I know why.
0: Because we don't see this every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so they start the process, they explained to me that they would be uh, entering in between my rib, so they would be cleaning the area off, I'd feel a little sting, and they would be inserting a small straw, which I have to see everything that is being done to me. So they had to present everything to me and uh, they explained to me that once they start the process i needed to focus yes. um, try not to cough because i am going to want to cough and there is a one of the things that could possibly happen is you could puncture the lung yes and so uh, i have to i need to focus yes. and and not try not to cough and so they start the process of drawing the fluid and the best way I could explain how the best way to explain uh, as the fluid is being drawn was if you were to slowly open a mini blind at home hmm. as the fluid is being pulled from the lung yes, my lung starts to expand
0: Whoa. and
1: I start to cough and they had already drawn a liter, and they had attached the next bottle and they had gotten to half and i started coughing so much my i felt as if my lung was about to collapse i don't know i guess because i had not used that part of my lung in such a long time yes i started feeling as if my chest was about to just cave in And so um, they had to stop because I started getting up off the bed. I screamed for my mom and she came and I just kind of crashed in her arm and she said, get the nurse in here, give her some oxygen. And so they put some oxygen on and I was fine after. Uh But I literally, once they drew all of that fluid, a liter and a half, I coughed for maybe two hours straight. I coughed until I literally wet myself. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And so um, after they drew the fluid, they explained to me that they would be doing a uh, chest x-ray. Yes. And they did a chest x-ray, and it was, the results were sent to the doctor, and I had to wait again. Yes. And then I was told, we need to do a CT scan. And I just started bawling. I oh, said, my goodness. I said, you never said anything to me about a CT scan. You only mentioned, did you see something on my lung? And no one is telling me anything. I said, well, you need to get the doctor down here to tell me because I'm not going to make it. Yes. I'm not going to live. You need to bring someone down here to tell me what's going on. So anyway, they did the CT scan and I had to wait. And the doctor came and he he, he assured me, he calmed me down. He okay. said, you need to relax your... Calm down. I I just because you know we did not we weren't uh, we were unable to pull all of the fluid, oh, that, okay. and there was a small a slight thickening towards the lower part of your lung, and we needed to do a CT scan to make sure that everything was okay. Oh, okay. And so uh, after everything they did all of that, I was then released to go home and rest for the day. And uh, shortly thereafter, the pulmonary doctor, who I was referred to, uh, contacted me with the results and uh, told me, confirmed. Before I had the fluid drawn, Mm -hmm. he said, I suspect this might be endometriosis, really, but I'm not sure. And that was from just looking at your plain film? Just looking at the films and talking to me about my history. He said he suspect it might be, but he would need, so he would need further the tissue to, diagnosis. To, to, to confirm. And so uh, he contacted me, and we went back for a, a follow-up meeting, and he confirmed that it was endometriosis, and uh, he said he would see me again in about two weeks. Okay. And uh, by then, this is mid-September okay and um i went back to see him maybe two to three weeks after the fluid was drawn okay and um he asked me how i was feeling and i told him i was feeling much better mm-hmm. and um he said well we, we will do another chest x-ray just to follow up to make sure the fluid doesn't come back or anything okay. and so uh, two weeks after our meeting, mm-hmm. I went and did another chest x-ray, and I'm sitting at my desk at work, and he called me, and he said, the fluid is back. Oh, could you feel a difference? You know, I, I thought I was out of shape, and I actually took the weight off. Oh, okay. And so I'd, it wasn't until the pain under my arm, not being able to lift my arm, Okay. That brought any of this because I just thought I was out of shape. I would feel tired even chasing my daughter around, but I just thought I had put on so much weight. I need to take the weight off. Right. And this is what's causing it. And
0: so when you had the fluid taken off, the first, that mm-hmm. liter and a half, and you said, oh, my goodness, I actually felt my mind yeah. expand. When he called you and said the fluid was back, In between that time frame, did you start feeling a little bit of shortness of breath again? Or not being able to fully expand your lung or the tiredness? The tiredness. The tiredness.
1: And what did you attribute that to? What did you think that was? Just being out of shape, lack of
0: exercise. Okay. Yeah. lack of exercise. And so we were not, no alarms, no bells and whistles yet. No,
1: no, because by then, by then, I was referred to my OB, oh. and I went to him with what I had gone through, the fluid being drawn, and, um, well, no, I'm sorry, we had not gotten okay, to my so OB as yet. Okay,
0: let's so let's go back to the phone call. So now he
1: calls you back and says, the fluid's back. He calls me back and he said, the fluid is back in my lung, and he would need to refer me to a thoracic surgeon.
0: thoracic surgeon my goodness and we're just getting started with Donna's story tune in next week where she's going to finish telling how she's become a case study for endometriosis